Chapter Two of To Have and To Hold by Mary Johnston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Two in which I meet Master Jeremy Sparrow. Mine are not Dicer's oaths. The stars were yet shining when I left the house and, after a word with my man Dicon at the servants' huts, strode down the bank and through the gate of the palisade to the wharf, where I loosed my boat, put up her sail, and turned her head down the broad stream. The wind was fresh and favorable, and we went swiftly down the river through the silver mist toward the sunrise. The sky grew pale pink to the zenith. Then the sun rose and drank up the mist. The river sparkled and shone. From the fresh green banks came the smell of the woods and the song of birds. Above rose the sky, bright blue, with a few fleecy clouds drifting across it. I thought of the day thirteen years before, when for the first time white men sailed up this same river, and of how noble its width, how enchanting its shores, how gay and sweet their blooms and odors, how vast their trees, how strange the painted savages, had seemed to us storm-tossed adventurers who thought we had found a very paradise, the fortunate isles at least. How quickly were we undeceived! As I lay back in the stern with half-shut eyes and tiller idle in my hand, our many tribulations and our few joys passed in review before me. Indian attacks, dissension and strife amongst our rulers, true men persecuted, false knaves elevated, the weary search for gold and the South Sea, the horror of the pestilence and the blacker horror of the starving time, the arrival of the patience and deliverance, whereat we wept like children, that most joyful Sunday morning when we followed my lord de la Ware to church, the coming of Dale with that stern but wholesome martial code which was no stranger to me who had fought under Maurice of Nassau, the good times that followed when bowl-playing gallants were put down, cities founded, forts built, and the gospel preached, the marriage of Rolf and his dusky princess, Argall's expedition in which I played a part, and Argall's iniquitous rule, the return of Yearly as Sir George, and the priceless gift he brought us, all this and much else, old friends, old enemies, old toils and strifes and pleasures ran bitter sweet through my memory as the wind and flood bore me on. Of what was before me I did not choose to think, sufficient unto the hour being the evil thereof. The river seemed deserted, no horsemen spurred along the bridle-path on the shore. The boats were few and far between, and held only servants or Indians, or very old men. It was as Rolfe had said, and the free and able-bodied of the plantations had put out post-haste for matrimony. Chaplain's choice appeared unpeopled. Piercy's hundred slept in the sunshine, its wharf deserted, and but few slow-moving figures in the tobacco-fields. Even the Indian villages looked scant of all but squaws and children, for the braves were gone to see the pale-faces by their wives. Below Paspahedge a cockle-shell of a boat carrying a great white sail overtook me, and I was hailed by young Hamour. "'The maids are coming!' he cried. "'Hurrah!' and stood up to wave his hat. "'Humph!' I said. "'I guess thy destination by thy hose. Are they not those that were thy peach-colored ones?' "'Oons, yes,' he answered, looking down with complacency upon his tarnished finery. 
"'Wedding garments, Captain Percy, wedding garments!' I laughed. "'Thou art a tardy bridegroom. I thought that the bachelors of this quarter of the globe slept last night in Jamestown.' His face fell. "'I know it,' he said ruefully. "'But my doublet had more rents than slashes in it, and Martin Taylor kept it until cockcrow. That fellow rolls in tobacco.' He hath grown rich off our impoverished wardrobe since a ship down yonder passed the capes. After all, he brightened, the bargaining takes not place until toward midday, after solemn service and thanksgiving. There's time enough. He waved me a farewell as his great sail and narrow craft carried him past me. I looked at the sun, which truly was not very high, with a secret disquietude, for I had had a scurvy hope that after all I should be too late, and so the noose which I felt tightening about my neck might unknot itself. Wind and tide were against me, and an hour later saw me nearing the peninsula and marveling at the shipping which crowded its waters. It was as if every sloop, barge, canoe, and dugout between Point Comfort and Henricus were anchored off its shores, while above them towered the masts of the Marmaduke and Furtherance, then in port, and of the tall ship which had brought in those doves for sale. The river with its dancing freight, the blue heavens and bright sunshine, the green trees waving in the wind, the stir and bustle in the street and marketplace thronged with gaily dressed gallants, made a fair and pleasant scene. As I drove my boat in between the sloop of the commander of Shirley Hundred and the canoe of Nansamun Werewants, the two bells then newly hung in the church began to peal and the drum to beat. Stepping ashore, I had a rear view only of the folk who had clustered along the banks and in the street, their faces and footsteps being with one accord directed toward the marketplace. I went with the throng, jostled alike by Velvet and Dallas, by youths with their estates upon their backs and naked, fantastically painted savages, and trampling the tobacco with which the greedy citizens had planted the very street. In the square I brought up before the governor's house, and found myself cheek by jowl with Master Corey, our secretary, and speaker of the assembly. Ha! Ralph Percy, he cried, wagging his gray head. We too be the only sane yonkers in the plantations. All the others are horn-mad. I have caught the infection, I said, and am one of the bedlamites. He stared, then broke into a roar of laughter. Art in earnest? he asked, holding his fat sides. Is Saul among the prophets? Yes, I answered. I diced last night, yea or no, and the yea, plague on it, had it. He broke into another roar. And thou callest that bridal attire, man? Why, our cowkeeper goes in flaming silk to-day. I looked down upon my suit of buff, which had in truth seen some service, and at my great boots, which I had not thought to clean since I mired in a swamp, coming from Henricus the week before, then shrugged my shoulders. You will go begging, he continued, wiping his eyes. Not a one of them will so much as look at you. Then will they miss seeing a man and not a popinjay, I retorted. I shall not break my heart. A cheer arose from the crowd, followed by a crashing peal of the bells and a louder roll of the drum. The doors of the houses around and to the right and left of the square swung open, and the company which had been quartered overnight upon the citizens began to emerge. By twos and threes, some with hurried steps and downcast eyes, others more slowly and with free glances at the staring men, 
they gathered to the center of the square where in surplice and band there awaited them godly master buck and master wickham of henricus i stared with the rest though i did not add my voice to theirs before the arrival of yesterday's ship there had been in this natural eden leaving the savages out of the reckoning several thousand adams and but some threescore eaves and for the most part the eaves were either portly and bustling or withered and shrewish housewives of age and experience to defy the serpent these were different ninety slender figures decked in all the bravery they could assume ninety comely faces pink and white or clear brown with the rich blood showing through ninety pairs of eyes laughing and alluring or downcast with long fringes sweeping rounded cheeks ninety pair of ripe red lips the crowd shouted itself hoarse and would not be restrained brushing aside like straws the staves of the marshal and his men and surging in upon the line of adventurous damsels i saw young men panting seize hand or arm and strive to pull toward them some reluctant fare others snatched kisses or fell on their knees and began speeches out of euphuies others commenced an inventory of their possessions acres tobacco servants household plenishing all was hubbub protestation frightened cries and hysterical laughter the officers ran to and fro threatening and commanding master pory alternately cried shame and laughed his loudest and i plucked away a jackanapes of sixteen who had his hand upon a girl's ruff and shook him until the breath was well nigh out of him the clamor did but increase way for the governor cried the marshal shame on you my masters way for his honor and the worshipful council the three wooden steps leading down from the door of the governor's house suddenly blossomed into crimson and gold as his honor with the attendant counselors emerged from the hall and stood staring at the mob below the governor's honest moon face was quite pale with passion what a devil is this he cried wrathfully did you never see a woman before where's the marshals i'll imprison the last one of you for rioters upon the platform of the pillory which stood in the center of the market-place suddenly appeared a man of a gigantic frame with a strong face deeply lined and a great shock of grizzled hair a strange thing for he was not old i knew him to be one master jeremy sparrow a minister brought by the southampton a month before and as yet without a charge but at that time i had not spoken with him without word of warning he thundered into a psalm of thanksgiving singing it at the top of a powerful and yet sweet and tender voice and with a fervor and exultation that caught the heart of the riotous crowd the two ministers in the throng beneath took up the strain master pory added a husky tenor eloquent of much sack presently we were all singing the audacious suitors charmed into rationality fell back and the broken line reformed the governor and the council descended and with pomp and solemnity took their places between the maids and the two ministers who were to head the column the psalm ended the drum beat a thundering roll and the procession moved forward in the direction of the church master pory having left me to take his place among his brethren of the council and the mob of those who had come to purchase and of the curious idol having streamed away at the heels of the marshal and his officers 
I found myself alone in the square, save for the singer who now descended from the pillory and came up to me. "'Captain Ralph Percy, if I mistake not,' he said, in a voice as deep and rich as the bass of an organ. "'The same,' I answered. "'And you are Master Jeremy Sparrow?' "'Yea, a silly preacher, the poorest, meekest, and lowliest of the Lord's servitors.' His deep voice, magnificent frame, and bold and free address so gave the lie to the humility of his words that I had much ado to keep from laughing. He saw, and his face, which was of a cast most martial, flashed into a smile like sunshine on a scarred cliff. "'You laugh in your sleeve,' he said good-humoredly, "'and yet I am but what I profess to be. In spirit I am a very Job, though nature hath fit to dress me as a Samson. I assure you I am worse misfitted than is Master Yardstick yonder in those Falstaffian hose. But, good sir, will you not go to church?' "'If the church were Paul's, I might,' I answered. "'As it is, we could not get within fifty feet of the door.' "'Of the great door, I. But the ministers may pass through the side door. If you please, I will take you in with me.' The pretty fools yonder marched slowly. "'If we turn down this lane, we will outstrip them quite.' "'Agreed,' I said, and we turned into a lane thick-planted with tobacco, made a detour of the governor's house, and outflanked the procession, arriving at the small door before it had entered the churchyard. Here we found the sexton mounting guard. I am Master Sparrow, the minister that came in the Southampton, my new acquaintance explained. I am to sit in the choir. Let us pass, good fellow. The sexton squared himself before the narrow opening and swelled with importance. You, reverend sir, I will admit such being my duty. But this gentleman is no preacher." I may not allow him to pass. "'You mistake, friend,' said my companion gravely. "'This gentleman, my worthy colleague, has but just come from the island of St. Brandon, where he preaches on the witches' Sabbath. Hence the disorder of his apparel. His admittance be on my head. Wherefore let us by. None to enter at the west door save counsellors, commander, and ministers. Any attempting to force an entrance to be arrested and laid by the heels if they be of the generality, or if they be of quality to be duly fined and debarred from the purchase of any maid whatsoever, chanted the sexton. Then in God's name let's on, I exclaimed. Here, try this. And I drew from my purse, which was something of the leanest, a shilling. Try this, quoth Master Jeremy Sparrow, and knocked the sexton down. We left the fellow sprawling in the doorway, sputtering threats to the air without, but with one covetous hand clutching at the shilling which I threw behind me, and entered a church which we found yet empty, though through the open great door we heard the drum beat loudly and a deepening sound of footsteps. "'I have choice of position,' I said. "'Yonder window seems a good station. You remain here in the choir?' "'Aye,' he answered with a sigh. "'The dignity of my calling must be upheld. Wherefore I sit in high places, rubbing elbows with gold lace, when of the very truth the humility of my spirit is such that I would feel more at home in the servant's seats or among the neggers that we bought last year. Had we not been in church I would have laughed, though indeed I saw that he devoutly believed his own words. He took his seat in the largest and finest of the chairs behind the great velvet one reserved for the governor, while I went and leaned against my window, and we stared at each other across the flower-decked building in profound silence, until— with one great final crash 
the bell ceased, the drum stopped beating, and the procession entered. End of chapter two. Recording by Tom Weiss, Tom's Audiobooks dot com.